Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast, where you get real and practical advice on how to go from wearing boots to wearing a suit. We've got you covered on advice from writing resumes to killing it in an interview. Be sure to check out this podcast and more at transitionvetcoach.com. And now your host, former Navy Lieutenant Pat Bergstresser. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. This is the podcast where we provide actionable advice to transitioning military veterans from active duty to the civilian workforce. This is your host, Pat Bergstresser, former Navy lieutenant. This is episode seven, transition tip number six. Hey, guys, correction. This is episode number eight, transition tip number seven. Can't keep a number straight. Today, we're going to be talking about the volunteer experience section on your resume. So all of the podcasts we've done so far are specifically talking about the resume. If you're not familiar with the format that we recommend, please head over to transitionvetcoach.com where you can take a look at the format we recommend. It's a great guide for when you're first getting out. You, you don't have to use it, obviously. You can do whatever you want uh, and you can transition to a different format later on, but, but it's a great place to start, a great uh, format to follow when you're first getting out so you have a guide and as you go through the process, you're going to adjust and adjust and adjust this resume over time. But head over to transitionvetcoach.com. Take a look at our post on the resume format so you can follow along. Uh, This section is, or this podcast is on the volunteer experience section. And this is an optional section. I'm just going to say that up front. You don't have to do this. Definitely don't need to do it if you don't have any volunteer experience, obviously. Um, But this is optional. So if you're crunched for space or you don't think it adds value, you don't think it is worth the valuable real estate space that's on your resume, don't include it. But some folks in the military, a lot of people have the Military Outstanding Volunteer Service Medal, and that's a great reference point to know if this section is worth putting in. You don't have to have your MOVSM, and you don't even necessarily need to have done exactly what the qualifications are for an MOVSM uh, to, to know whether or not this section is worth it. That's just a good reference point to understand how significant your volunteer experience probably should be for you to include it. But the whole point of this section, just like everything else in your resume, is does it pack a punch? Does it add value? Uh, does it have that that impact and, and answer that so what question? And, and that's really what matters when you're trying to figure out what goes on your resume. And that's the case with this section, just like every other section. This section specifically is optional. So if you don't have volunteer experience, uh, you know, don't include it. I encourage you to, to listen to the rest of the episode because I think there's a lot of good stuff we talk, in, talk about in here. And at some point, you may become involved with some sort of nonprofit or volunteer organization, and you may want to go back and add this to your resume. And we're going to talk about why this section is important uh, and why it's worth something building and going after because as times change, people are starting to look at the whole person concept when you go through the interview process, and this helps answer that question when people are trying to get the right types of individuals into their organization. So the first thing I'll say up front is volunteer experience is not as important as it was on active duty. I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, every service is different, um, but I know there was a lot of frustration in the Navy uh, where people felt like there was way too much focus on whether or not they were involved in volunteer efforts. And, and a lot of times your involvement in volunteer organizations translated to whether or not you got promoted or how you ranked out. It's not the same. If you don't have this on your resume, nobody's going to ask, where's your volunteer section? The reason we recommend it is we know so many military veterans have a ton of volunteer experience just by being in the military and just the culture of the military is so focused on getting 
uh, sailors, marines, soldiers, airmen, whatever, out involved in the in the local community to build that relationship. And we want to take advantage of that. You don't want to leave something valuable off your resume. And that's why we recommend this section. It's not as important as active duty, but it helps build that whole person concept when you're applying and, and, and trying to find your way into an into an organization. And this is something that really can work uh, t- uh, in your favor. So when you go into an interview, you'll, pr- you'll hear a lot of times people talk about, you know, they're trying to decide between multiple candidates and they're not sure. And they will oftentimes ask themselves, or if you're interviewing with multiple people, they'll ask each other, hey, would you spend a four-hour layover with this person? Or would you, more specifically, would you enjoy a four-hour layover with this person? Would you have a beer with them? Would you have, you know, dinner with them? Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to sometimes, is whether or not you connected with them, or more bluntly, if they liked you. I mean, honestly, that's what that's what interviews come down to. Um, and so this gives you an opportunity to not only get into an interview, this probably isn't going to get you the interview, but it's what might close the, the deal and get you the job. Because that that person interviewing you, the hiring manager, the HR representative, the recruiter, whoever it is, they... It's just something else for them to connect with you on, and it's not professionally related. So it's something they can connect with you on a human level. And when we talk about how important your resume is, and when we'll talk about in the other podcast how to interview, building your story and forming a connection with the people that you're discussing your professional background with is really, really important. And the better you do that and the better you build that bond with them, the more in, in 45 minutes or less, which is really hard to do, the more likely you are to get the position. And this is one extra way that you can kind of show hey, yeah, I'm really good at X, Y, and Z, but I'm also involved in this organization. I'm really passionate about it. And the person you're interviewing with might actually be involved in something similar or the same exact organization or have done something you know, related. And that's just another opportunity for you to connect. And you'll see when you go through interviews and you just happen to mention something that the other person is interested in or is involved in, it's a connection and you immediately have a leg up on everyone else, assuming you're all equally qualified, which a lot of times is the case. There's usually a lot of really qualified people for the position. And it's just all about who is the right culture fit, who's the right fit for the organization as a whole, and and who do the interviewer like. And you want that, you want to give yourself the best chance uh, possible to be liked and to be able to form a connection with whoever you're interviewing with. And the volunteer experience section is a way to do that. So just like all the other sections, and like we talked about at the beginning uh, of the podcast, the impact is really what's important. You don't want to include this section in your resume if it doesn't have any impact. If you didn't have any impact on the organization you were volunteering with, if you didn't really do anything substantial, if you went every other month, you know, you went one Saturday every other month to go get puppies donated and you did it for an hour at a time and you didn't really get that involved, that's not worth really including um, because you're not really showing that you had real passion for what you were doing and you were doing it because it was obligatory or because your friends were doing it and you really didn't get involved. That's not worth talking about. Everything on your resume needs to be really positive and show how awesome you are. And if you weren't awesome at volunteering, don't include it. Um, and, and if you were awesome, you need to make sure you're talking about the impact that you had. If you just went and swung a hammer for a couple hours a day, you know, for, for a while, you know, a couple months, a couple years, whatever, but you didn't really have any impact, 
nobody really cares. You're not really doing anything, doing yourself any favors by talking about that. Now, if you did swing hammers for three hours a day for years, you know, every weekend for years on end, you did have an impact. So you need to go reevaluate, you know, what your standard is for an impact because being involved in an organization for that extended amount of time and constantly dedicating your free time is impact. So don't think you had to be the CEO of a nonprofit to put this on your resume. You didn't. Um, but you just needed to have an impact and you need to figure out how to articulate that impact. And like, like we mentioned before, the MOVSM is a really good reference point, uh, on the blog post where we talk about this, this subject, uh, we have a reference in there of what the actual award standard is for the MOVSM. So I encourage you to check that out. We also have a link to the actual criteria, the, the whole PDF where it talks about what you need to do to get the MOVSM. Um, a lot of times in the Navy, at least in the CB community, we talked a lot about how, you know, there had to be every commanding officer was different, but for the most part, they wanted several years of involved service. So you probably need to have done this for at least more than one year, I would say, to be able to include something like this on your resume, just to show that consistency and that longevity over time. Um, and you need to be like we said, have some sort of impactful role. If you were in a leadership role, that's going to be really easy for you to talk about how you were impactful, whether it was increasing donations or increasing involvement or uh, a better impact in the community or whatever the case is. You can obviously talk about that. And then if you were just a wrench turner, you know, you can talk about how uh, important it was to you and, and specifically what you were able to accomplish and how you were able to influence others. Maybe you recruited other people. Maybe you talked about it with your command at work to get people involved. Um, off base, you know, out into the community, whatever the case is, uh, that's, that's something that, um, that you can think about. But the MOVSM is a really great reference point to know what kind of standard we're, we're looking at. Now, it doesn't have to be that significant. My personal example, you can check it out on, uh, the blog post, uh, on transitionvetcoach.com for the, the, you know, this section we're talking about, the volunteer experience section. Um, mine is not that significant. When I first, uh, transferred to NCBC Gulfport, which is Naval Construction Battalion Center Gulfport in uh, on the Gulf Coast in Mississippi. I was an ensign transitioning into the Civil Engineer Corps um, in the Navy, and I really was kind of bored, to be honest. I I was getting started, and and I didn't have a whole lot going on. Um, and uh, they the base was looking for someone to lead the Navy and Marine Corps Relief Society's active duty fund drive. And uh, as many of you know, if you're a former junior military officer, a lot of times we get tagged to do things like this. Um, and in this case, I actually volunteered just because I wasn't busy in my job yet because I was still going through training. So I, I went ahead and volunteered and I ended up doing it for two years. And now turns out it was something that kind of is working out for me. It's something I can talk about on my resume. Uh, for those who are were not in the Navy or the Marine Corps, uh, you probably have something similar in your service. The Air Force has the Air Force Aid Association. I'm sure the Army has something very similar. But in the Navy and the Marines, we have the Navy and Marine Corps Relief Society. It's an organization that was started around the turn of the century. Um, I think it was a bunch of nurses um, in the Navy way back in the day um, who started it. But essentially, it's a, a, uh, a an organization that for the most part, helps service men and women financially. Um, a lot of times they're in there for the wrong reasons. They're getting help because they bought a car they couldn't afford or they bought a house they couldn't afford or they're not spending their money wisely, especially very junior troops like E1s, 2s, and 3s who aren't making a lot of money. Um, but the NMCR, NMCRS is the acronym. They do a ton of great work. Um, and every year they do what's called the Active Duty Fund Drive. It's their biggest fund drive of the year where they basically canvass the entire Navy and the entire Marine Corps to donate. 
and they basically will bring the entire command, the entire unit into, you know, like a briefing hall or something like that. And the commanding officer will get up and be like, hey, this is a great organization, you know, their typical spiel. Uh, then your command rep will go up there. You know, usually it's a senior enlisted or a junior officer who's the representative for that specific command to coordinate with people like me who are the actual coordinator for the base or the region. Um, and they'll go up there and say, hey, you need to donate. This is why. This is what the organization does. It's really great, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they'll hand out these forms that you can fill out, and it automatically deducts a certain amount from your paycheck every month. And I think most people do like 20 bucks a month. The CFC, the Combined Federal Campaign, is very similar. Um, the CFC, on a side note, has a huge overhead cost, so um, I didn't really believe in the CFC. The organizations they work with are great, but the CFC uh, wasn't the best, in my opinion. But anyway, the M- NMCRS, that, that, that's kind of how the donation process worked, and I was the rep for the base. So I worked with all of the unit reps, and throughout that process, I realized that the donation process with the forms that you fill out and you take the purple copy and they keep the yellow or whatever the kit, you know, whatever the colors are, that was really, really antiquated. And we weren't doing donations online where a lot of troops were spending their, their time, you know, uh, particularly the younger generation, the millennials and the, and the generation Z or whatever the next generation is are all on their phones, on Facebook, social media, uh, texting each other, whatever. And I thought, Hey, if they could just whip out their phone and do a donation, that would be great. So we created our own website, um, for the local chapter, um, and told everybody about how they could donate online. And it turns out about 10 to 15% of our donations that the following year were from online donations and our donations overall went up 25% uh, the second year that I was doing this because of what I noticed the first year. Um, so that was kind of a win uh, that I felt like was worthy of going on my resume. So that's why I have it on there. And then the headquarters element in, in Washington, D.C. heard about that and they wanted to translate it to all of their chapters across all the, the Navy and Marine Corps bases um, that, that have an NMCRS office, which is most of them. So I ended up working with them to kind of talk about how we did it in Gulfport and, and how they could tra- translate that, uh, that format to all the other bases so that they could take advantage of people who want to donate online, who um, uh, particularly the younger generation that spends a lot of time on their phone, they can just go to you know nmcrsdonate.org or whatever the website was, and they could just donate real quick. You know, Maybe now, I don't know what they're doing now, but maybe they even have like Apple Pay or something. So you don't even have to pull out your credit card, you just scan your fingerprint. So anyway, um, that that's something that I did that was only a span of two years, but, but I had an impact. At least I felt like it was a legitimate impact, so I included that. And then I also was able to kind of work with the higher headquarters to talk about how can we translate some of the lessons we learned throughout the the enterprise or throughout the organization. So that's just my example. But again, an MOVSM a lot of times is associated with people who had like five years with an organization. And if you did have that kind of relationship uh, with an organization, that's fantastic. And you should absolutely include it on your resume. But just so you know, anything more than one year, I would say is fine. And if you've been with an organization for two years, I, I would have a hard time believing that you didn't have an impact. So just Really evaluate what you did. If you were significantly involved, I'm sure you had an impact. So just consider that. Now, when it comes to actually filling out this section, it's just like your professional summary section. Hey, guys, just a quick edit. I said professional summary during the original recording. What I actually meant was professional experience section. The format is identical. The only thing you have to do this time is in the professional experience section, we talk about you know your specific uh, assignments you had and breaking those up every assignment you had, every PCS basically you had, that's your section where you talk about your overall responsibility, where you talk about the situation as part of the STAR format, and then you have your bullets beneath, which are your task, action, and result. In this case, 
you're going to have to tell people what organization you work for. In the professional experience section, you put U.S. Navy, U.S. Army at the top, and you just forget about it as you fill out the next, uh, all the different chunks of your experience. In this case, you got to tell them what the organization is. So, but other than that, the format's the same. So you put, you know, the for the organization, uh, un- you put volunteer experience in the middle and beneath that on the f- left-hand side, you put, you know, in my case, Navy Marine Corps Relief Society. Then beneath that, I put, you know, I think I put fun, active duty fund drive manager, active duty fund drive coordinator. I put the location just so they know where I was when I was doing this. And then just like on the the dates and time uh, for the professional experience, same thing here. So month and year, you don't need days, just month and years that you were involved in the organization. Then the upfront uh, mini summary that we call it is where you talk about the situation. You just say, what was your role in the organization? If you say you're the manager, you're the coordinator, you're the director, whatever, what does that mean? And what were your responsibilities? And then the bullets are your actual accomplishments where you talk about the task and the action and then the result. And really, again, just like I beat it home in the professional experience podcast, and I'll do it again here. Really talk about the results, the impact. That's really what matters. Show them that not only do you have a passion for something, but when but you're impactful in it outside of work. You're not just showing up every you know, every once in a while for an hour. You're actually showing up and trying to make a change and trying to make an impact. And every nonprofit has a great mission, and just by being involved in that mission you're having an impact. So don't forget that. You don't have to be the CEO or the executive vice president of some nonprofit. Just being involved consistently is is having an impact and just find a way to translate that. If you're if you're struggling with that, email me, pat at transitionvetcoach.com. Uh, you can hit me up anytime. I, I, I'm not going to necessarily get back to you within five minutes, but I promise you I will get back to you. So email me if you have any questions, pat at transitionvetcoach.com. The one thing I'll say about this section, do not stretch it out too long, okay? The point of your resume is 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 really the professional experience section. That's really the whole point. So you can talk about what you've done, what you've accomplished. This is one of those added... Uh, twists. This is the benefit of going to two pages is you can add a little bit something extra that might be the the push that you need to get over the finish line and get the job. Um, but if you don't have space for this, don't include it. And secondly, don't get too long with it. This shouldn't be more than maybe like a fifth of a page, a, a quarter of a page, certainly not any more than that, probably a fifth of a page. You really don't want to go too long here. When you write bullets, it's it's hard to condense them down sometimes, but just remember, just get the impact in there and, and move on. Don't stress, don't spend too much time, don't let this take up too much space, really condense it down, talk about the impact, um, and get to the point and move on. Uh, this is, an, is a good section to have, but it's not the point of the resume, so don't forget that as you're, as you're filling this out. The last thing I'll say is a lot of organizations now are focusing on the whole person concept. And I touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but they're really focusing on what kind of people they're bringing into their organization because culture is becoming more and more important. Companies are finding that culture is what keeps people in an organization. And right now we're sort of in a space where people move between companies and organizations a lot. And companies would prefer you to stay with them because the longer you stay, the more uh, bought in you are on the on the process and, and the mission of the company. Um, and the, the longer you stay there, the, the more leverage and, and just the more benefit the, the organization receives by you sticking around. And that churn is expensive to constantly be interviewing and constantly hiring. We all know in the military, moving every two to three to four years that is hard. I mean, it takes you a year sometimes just to figure out your job, and then you then you crush it for a year, and then you move again. So, private companies 
don't want that if they can avoid it. And so they're really focusing on culture to keep people around. And so when they interview people, they're trying to make sure that they bring the right people into the company. And when you interview, you may be told, hey, go to this website, do this um, you know, personality assessment. And they're really trying to figure out what kind of person are you? And do you fit in our culture? And don't feel bad if you get rejected from a company based off that assessment. That's not necessarily whether or not you're a good person or whether or not you're smart. A lot of times it's just, do you fit in the organization? You know, some organizations um, really focus on people who are, you know, really, really smart and, and are really like structured and just execute all day. And that's what they're looking for out of their engineers, like, for example. But other companies might want, might want people who really think outside the box and are really don't have a structured thought process and are really, you know, sort of zany and, and, and outside the box thinkers. So it's not necessarily an indictment on who you are if you don't get a job. It's just whether or not you fit. And there's a book out there that many people have read. It's been around, I think, since like 2000, 2001. It's called Good to Great. Um, it's one of those like top 10 leadership books. It's a good book. I mean, I I do recommend reading it, but honestly, the Cliff Notes will probably get the point across um, that that's important from the book. And if you don't even want to read those, here's the main takeaway. Getting the right people. So for organizations, the best thing they can do is getting the right people on the bus. And then once you get those right people on the bus, then you can figure out where to put them. And so a lot lot of organizations, when they interview, they're just, they're looking at people as a whole. What kind of person is this? You know, by the time you get to the interview, they're pretty confident you can do the job. Really, they're just trying to find out, are you going to fit in? Are you going to be toxic? Or are you going to add value to to the culture? Um, because w- they just want to make sure that that they get the right type of person. Because if they get someone who's toxic, they can disrupt and ruin an entire organization from the inside. And they want to avoid that, obviously. So a lot of companies are starting to look at you as a whole. And that's why I feel like this section really adds value because it not only shows you what you do outside of work, but it also shows that you're passionate about something and you're passionate enough to spend a lot of time and energy and focus on it to be impactful. And it's just a way to show the organization that there's a lot more to you than just showing up nine to five or eight to four or whatever the working hours are. A lot of private companies, you work more hours than that depending on what your job is. But regardless, you just want to show them that you're more than the professional experience section. And this is a way to do that, but it's still a way to show impact. It's still showed a way, still a way to show that you add value and that you're a top tier candidate. And so that's why I think this section is really important. Again, I just want to stress before we close this out, this section is entirely optional. If you don't have space for it, don't include it. If you don't feel like you were that involved in, in volunteer uh, efforts, don't include it at all. Don't Do not fake it. Don't try to pretend that you were involved in something. This is not worth it because that will get sniffed out in an interview. They might not even ref, they might not even bring it up in the interview. Uh, they might just be like, yeah, it's pretty clear this guy wasn't involved. So don't fake it. Like these people who are interviewing you, wherever you interview, have interviewed a lot of people before you and they're really good at picking up on body language and don't be a casualty to that process. So it's again, completely optional. Uh, don't put it in there if if you don't feel like you had an you had any sort of significant impact or if it wasn't it's not really something significant about you. You're trying to you want to convey to whoever you're interviewing with the story of you. And if you don't think your volunteer experiences tie into the story of you, don't include it. Okay, so uh, every podcast we close out with a quote from Winston Churchill. It's one of my favorites. It's success is not final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And we always talk about 
Just because you get a job doesn't mean it's going to be your last job. It very likely won't be your last job. So that success is not final. If you don't get a job, it's not fatal. You're going to get one. I promise you, veterans add so much value uh, to any organization they join. And companies are realizing that more and more now than ever. Um, and, And just remember that whenever you do encounter a failure, there are failures that you encountered on active duty that were way, way worse than not getting a job. Right. I mean, a lot of a lot of you have uh, you may have PTSD, you may have combat wounds, you may have lost uh, friends, you know, downrange. Um, you have dealt with far, far more difficult uh, situations and faced more significant adversity than not getting a job. And you're going to find one. I, I mean, you will like there are so many organizations out there trying to help us find jobs. A lot of companies are realizing that that we as veterans bring unique skill sets that they can benefit from. So you're going to get there, but you got to remember the courage that you had on active duty to get through the tough times is a very similar type of courage you need when you're getting out to find a job. Uh, so reach out to your friends, reach out to your network, reach out to your organization to get help. You can always email me, pat at transitionvetcoach.com, uh, and, and, and I'll do whatever I can to help you with your resume, your interviews. Um, you know, if, if you want to get into engineering or construction or, you know, I work in, in uh, like statistical data analysis right now. If you wanted to get into that, reach out to me, whatever the case is, or manufacturing, whatever the case is, have that courage to continue. That's what's important. So once again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this is Pat Bergstresser, host of the Vet Coach Transition Tips podcast. Uh, and that's all we got for today. But tune in next time because we're going to talk about the next section on the resume. But until then, uh, we'll sign off and see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Vet Coach Transition Tips podcast. For more transition tips and content, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out transitionvetcoach.com. Thanks so much for your service and all you do. As always, if you have any questions, email Pat directly at pat at transitionvetcoach.com.